morning, I felt the Holy Spirit just wants me to share just a very simple sermon. Just bringing us into remembrance. Freshly remembering what Phil has already begun to talk about. And I told Frank, I said, there goes my sermon. That's how elders are. They steal sermons from one another. If there's anything at all, I feel the Lord wants us to be freshly reminded especially on a day like today. Not that this day is so much more significant than other days. But there is the opportunity to accentuate this gift that God has given us. And so that's what we're going to do. By the way, now you're listening to a man who's 79 years old, so I go back to a different time than many of you. It is so nice to see some of you fellows in suits. It is. Over here, where Nick Missio season even has a suit on. Nick, where are you? Are you here? You even have a suit on. It looks lovely. Angel, you did a decent job with him this morning. Thank you a lot. That isn't to say, oh, we all, I, I just, it's just an old man appreciating that kind of a look. Now, I suppose more than any other day, this day is known for what? Leaving the religious out of it. What is this day known for? Six o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, if you still have children at home, what happens? It's Christmas day and what do we want to do? We want to get out of this bedroom and run into the den, the living room or whatever and begin to do what? Open our gifts. If there's any message of Christmas, it's gift giving. And in fact, without gifts, Christmas has lost its essential meaning. So this morning I wanted to talk about that, but one is to think about Christmas in a little different way. Why do we give gifts to one another? Why do you give gifts to your children? What's your motivation? Hmm? You love them. Why are you excited, hopefully, to receive a gift? Because you're receiving it from someone who cares about you. It says something about the person who gives. And it says something about the person who receives. So the one who gives is blessed in his giving. I remember years ago, I thought everything about Christmas was me getting a present. Remember those days? I mean, how could it be more joyful than getting a present? And then I grew up, I became 55 years old. <laughs> and I found that there was something more exciting 
than just getting a present. What's more exciting? What is it? Yeah, giving. You can raise your voice. Okay, it's okay. Giving a present. And so, essentially what is happening here is that the person who receives the present is blessed. But also the person who gives the present is blessed. And so, there is a double blessing in Christmas. And I want to talk about that this morning. And the first side of this blessing is the most obvious to us. We are the blessed recipients of God's great gift. So when we think about Christmas, we normally think of our side of the blessing. Isn't that true? When you talk to people about Christmas, even adults, what do we talk about? What we have received. And that's okay to a certain extent. Even if we're sharing the gospel, even if we're talking about God's great gift, primarily, usually, the emphasis is upon God giving his son. And that's correct. But that's not the primary reason of Christmas to God. And that's hopefully what we'll see a little bit better this morning. So why do we give? What is the essence, the reason we give? You remember John three sixteen. what does it say? And all we're going to do this morning is just go over some scriptures that we already know. Where do we get this practice of giving? What scripture more than any other probably? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So no giving no Christmas. So the complete message of Christmas is not just the blessing of our receiving God's son. It's more than that. The complete message is at least explained in Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Remember what Ephesians chapter one, verse three says, blessed be you can, you can speak it with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us. Who has blessed us with what? In Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. So here you have both sides of the blessing, believe it or not. God is blessed in giving us the gift of his son. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that verse doesn't say God gave his son. Not specifically. But it does say it because it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which obviously means God sent Jesus as our Savior, Jesus Christ. So God is blessed. Also, we are blessed in receiving the gift of the Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. So this morning, let's be freshly reminded of this double blessing. And let's not jump ahead too quickly and think about other things. Let's go back and take a moment 
and reconsider just some of the fundamental scriptures that have to do with God giving us this blessing because God gave us his son. Let, let, let me make sure you hear me. God gave us his son as the primary and only means of him being blessed. God gave his son as the primary, if you would, or really the only reason for him being blessed. So everything about Christmas, everything about our salvation, everything, when you boil it down to its essence, is the work of this God who is so passionate about his own glory that he has given his son to us. And it isn't that God is more blessed because he's given Jesus, because God cannot be more or less blessed. But it has to do with the blessing of God, who he is in himself, because he is the blessed one. It has to do with the revelation and the expression of God's own personal blessedness of the glory of his own person in us, his people, who are the recipients of the blessing of his son. Amen. If nothing else you take away this morning, you must take this away. It's not incorrect for Christians to be emphasizing what God has done for us. It's just imbalanced. And in order to bring it into biblical balance, in order to bring it into the place where God wants it to be, the primary purpose of Christmas is God having a people in whom his own personal blessedness, the glory of his own blessedness is being displayed as a consequence of him having blessed us with his own son. So what is the primary message of Christmas? To God be the glory. Amen? That's the primary. And how is that primary purpose manifested? To God be the glory in sending his son. So let's talk about our side of the blessing for a few minutes. Let's ponder our original condition before God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, the Apostle Paul, and I'm just going to read part of it, and he is addressing this to every person who is a believer in Jesus. He is addressing this to every person who has been born again, to every person in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. And this is what he says. 
you were. Now, what tenses were? How many of you remember grammar? You were what? What tense? Past tense. Good, good. I'm glad you got that. I don't know, with the internet today and all that, no telling what they're doing with these words. But you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now consider that for a moment. Each one of us came into this world as those who were spiritually dead in relation to their fellowship and union with God. Every one of us were born, as Ephesians 5 says, under the wrath of God. That's where we need to begin. That's where the gospel begins. We had a great need. And God has dealt with that need and overcome it. You know, think of it this way. What would be your emotional experience if you were still dead in your sins? And then in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you were standing before the Lord, before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus. What is your sentence before this judge? Eternal damnation under the wrath of God forever. That's our sentence. And let's not forget who we have been. And maybe for some of you, maybe you haven't been born again. And today is the day the Holy Spirit will cause you to realize you are in spiritual, eternal, mortal danger from which there is no rescue other than the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. That's important to remember this morning. We are all under the sentence of the wrath of God and no ability to escape. However, Ephesians 2.1 says we're dead, but then we go to Ephesians 2.4. Now contemplate a moment. You're dead in sin. You have no future. You have no ability to escape. You are irrevocably sentenced to doom. Except for verse 4. But God. You may repeat it to me. But God being what? Rich in mercy. Why? Because of his great love with which he loved us. Now, can you let that sink in for a moment? You know, when you think about all the other religions of the world, every one of them has a deity or several deities. And all of these deities essentially are of the same kind 
of character. They all need us. And there is no hope in any of these religions and no assurance of hope. And so you live your life all these years. And then one day you stand before this deity and you find out that you weren't acceptable because you quite didn't make the mark. You live a life in fear. But that's not what this God is all about. The message of the God of the Bible is absolutely and completely unique because the God of the Bible who gives us himself and displays himself through the pages of that book and causes himself to become alive in us by his spirit is the only God who doesn't need us but who has extended himself to us in the most drastic way. There is no religion that has a deity doing what this God does for this people. So you see this. This means that we were all sinners, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now, how many of us know this? We're okay with being kind to someone and forgiving someone and getting along with someone on what basis? If he or she will do what? Cooperate. If she, he or she will reciprocate in some way. Are you with me this morning? You know, we'll extend ourselves. Okay, Gary, so you said something about me. All right. But I'm willing to kind of meet you halfway at least. And we can restore our fellowship, our relationship. Right, brother? But you've got to do something. You see, you have to show me something that gives me a reason for embracing your friendship. You just got to do something for me. Are you with me? Unfortunately, this is the way too often believers feel. I'm not forgiving her until she. I'm not forgiving him until. I'm not calling her or him because. And we're waiting for some kind of a step, even a minuscule step toward us that in some way recognizes our worth. Correct? Tammy, isn't this right? But oh, what does the Bible say about this God of ours? While we were yet what? Sinners. While we absolutely had no desire, no ability, we weren't going to do nothing to approach this God and do whatever. Not going to happen. And while we were actively in opposition to him, he gave us his son to die 
for our sin. Are you with me? Eddie, what kind of a God is that? It's radical, right? This is radical. He is not asking us. Okay, Mike, come a little bit toward me. He's not asking Cliff for you to behave yourself a little better. It's a good thing, right, Cliff? He's not asking us, Dennis, to, to try to improve ourselves just a little bit, brother. Give me a little bit of, come on, just a, just a little step so I can, oh, whoa, thank you. Dennis has made a little move. Now I can come get you. But while you were running that way and despising and rejecting this God, he sent his son and he caught you in the running away and captured you. Didn't he do it? Isn't that why you're here today? So glad you have your family. This is radical. Why does God do it? Let me jump ahead a moment. He doesn't do it because we needed it, yet we did need it. Skipper, are you with me? He didn't save you because you needed it, but yet you did need it. You see, Brett, he had another motive. He did it because his purpose is to manifest the surpassing greatness of his kindness toward us in Christ. Isn't it what Ephesians 2, 7 says? God has, oh, well, I've skipped, haven't I? Here it is, yeah. But God being rich in mercy, and he's redeemed us through the blood of the Lamb. But he's done it for the demonstration of his own glory. See, what I'm hoping this morning, and I, I believe my hoping is in concert with the Holy Spirit. And so I don't want to accentuate what I am hoping. What I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to do this morning and is doing this morning. Because what he wants to do, he will do. He's not trying to do anything. He's doing. Is begin to refocus our preoccupation from ourselves to him. So why did God send Jesus to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin? What was his purpose? To save us. Yeah, but what was his primary purpose? The saving us was the means through which his purpose would be manifested. And what is the astounding result of this, of our salvation? Ephesians 2, 6. God has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have been taken from the worst place and through the blood of Christ, we have been elevated to the highest and the best place. But why? Why has God given us gifts? 
it's all about God. You see, Christmas is all about God. It's all from God. And it's all for God. Can we remember that? About God, from God, and for God. So let's turn again our attention to Ephesians chapter 1. Remember what it said. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. You remember that? We just read that. Ephesians 1, 3. Then in the rest of that passage from verse 3 to 14, the Apostle Paul breaks down the roles of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in our salvation. And so in verses 3 to 6, we have the role of the Father. And how does verse 6 end? To the praise of what? The glory of God's grace. Then in verses 7 to 12, we see the Son's role in our salvation. And in verse 12, it talks about, or it ends this way, to the praise of his or God's glory. And then in verses 13 and 14, we have the role of the Holy Spirit in ministering our sal the salvation that Jesus has purchased to us. And how does that verse end? To the praise of God's glory. So what is this telling us? It's telling us this. Oh, here's the verse I was thinking about. God's primary purpose in giving us the gift of his son is explained in several places, but one of the places it, it is explained nicely is in Ephesians 2, 7. Why? Why did God save me? So that in the ages to come, God might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. Are we beginning to see this? That what we have here as we celebrate Christmas is certainly the gift of God's son for our salvation. But underpinning and moving that gift forward is the great motive of our God that in all things he is glorified, that in all things he is blessed. And again, he's blessed because he is blessed. So being blessed is just a revelation of who he is. God is not more or less blessed. He is the blessed one. Remember in John 17, 26. I think John 17, 26 encapsulates the issue probably in my mind more succinctly and clearly than any other issue. Any other verse. What is this glory of God? What is this? Remember Jesus states that the essential glory of God is the glory of the Father's love for the Son. There is no place, I don't believe, where the glory of God is more clearly and accurately displayed than in this love 
between the Father and the Son by the Holy Spirit. This is what the glory of God is all about, being manifested in us. Remember what Jesus said. He said, all of these things in the prayer, remember that, glorify your name, I've glorified your name, etc. And he talks about this at the end, that the love with which the Father, you, the Father, has loved me, may be in them and I in them. So, so here it is. The blessing that God receives in giving us the gift of his own son is the revelation of the glory of his own intra-Trinitarian love. What God is after in sending us the Son is the manifestation of who he is in himself. The one being of God existing as three divine, equal, separate persons, each possessing fully and forever the fullness of all the attributes of God. However, the Father possesses all the attributes of God, and the Father is totally God, yet not alone. And the same is said of the Son, and the same is said of the Holy Spirit. It is this, the glory of this person, of who he is, of how he is in himself, in the roles of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in their fellowship in relating through love. You see, this love divine it, it exists among the divine persons. Listen to what the Father's testimony about the love of the Son is. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Remember when Jesus went to the Jordan River and he was baptized. What was the baptism all about? Well, at one level, it was a revelation of what Jesus came to do. He is going to be baptized. He is going to go under the water of death. And he's going to come out as a picture of the, uh, the uh, resurrection and is going to do that for us and on our behalf and instead of us so that we would be saved. So what is God saying? This is my son and I'm doing this because I love him. I love him so I have given to him the highest privilege of all to purchase my family at the expense of his own life. Remember the son's testimony about the father, his love for the father. In 1431 of John, he says, Jesus says, so that the world may know that I love the father. I do exactly as the father has eternally, I put that in a command in me. So what is the message of Christmas? What is the message that should be displayed every time we give a gift? It is the revelation of the glory of God's own intra 
Trinitarian love, that love that exists within God himself among the three persons. It is the revelation of this love that is the centerpiece of God's gift to us in his son. Romans 5, 5. You remember what it says? And the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the meaning of Christmas. So what are we here for this morning? To celebrate. To celebrate the gift of Jesus to us, yes. But we don't want to be imbalanced we want to make sure that we are celebrating within the context of God's purpose. So why does the Father send the Son? What is the essential meaning of it? That God may be glorified. It's all about God. It's all from God. And it's all for God. This is what Christmas is all about. You know, I hope today as we leave, each of you, each of us has a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. I would say Merry Christmas and Feliz Navidad. See? And also this, say this, Feliz Nuevo Año. Año Nuevo. Well, I'm close. I'm close. I can barely speak English, Anna Maria. Happy New Year. So what is our life about? So when someone sees me or you or us collectively, they will see the glory of this God who has done the most radical and unexpected and inexplicable work of all, creating us in his image, knowing that we would fall and become sinners, alienated, and committing himself to the revelation of his glory in us to the extent that he sends the son who dies, who is buried, but who rose again and has ascended into heaven and has sent the Holy Spirit to save us for the Father's glory. Amen. That's the message of Christmas. This morning, as you're sitting here and you've never understood, you've never had the experience of the Holy Spirit birthing you into the kingdom. If inside of you, in your heart, in your emotions, you're realizing, wait a minute, I don't want to stand before God, the judge and face the eternal wrath. I'm afraid you should be. 
I don't want that. If maybe for the first time the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you are under the sentence of death. But I have sent my son that you may have eternal life through his sacrificial death and resurrection. If you are feeling that this morning, if that's what's happening on the inside of you, what should you do? You first acknowledge, God, I am under the wrath and I'm afraid to die in this condition. Second, I don't want to die. I want to have eternal life. I want to be forgiven. If that's what's going on the inside of you, then the gospel of John chapter one, verse 12 says this, to as many as received Jesus, to them, God gave the authority, the right to become sons of God to all who believe on his name. You receive Jesus. So, if this is who you are and your loved one gave you a gift, what did you do? You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to really ask for it because it's given to you freely. So what was the response? You gladly take the gift because it's yours, it's been given to you, and you open it and enjoy it. This morning, God may be giving some of you the gift of his son, and you know it on the inside. And so you say, Father, thank you for giving me the gift of Jesus. I feel and experience that now. I know what you're doing and I receive that. I surrender. I take it in. I embrace Jesus because I am being embraced by Jesus. That's to be born again. If that's what's happening in you, Frank Loria is here. You can stand, brother. Phil Wyden is here. You can stand. Y'all stay standing. It's okay. Steve Roberts here. You stand, brother. Here we go. Any of these three brothers will be glad to speak with you, or I will, concerning today. This would become, for you, the first genuine Christmas. Amen? Thank you so much for being here. And we pray God's blessing on all of you. Amen.